Leave me alone. Give me some space. Give me a chance to get my thoughts together. I want some peace and quiet for a change. I need to get away from the rat race. All those common expressions, my brothers and sisters, are ways of affirming the very same truth. Quiet is good. Or to use another common saying, common expression, silence is golden. And these days, very few of us have enough of it, including yours truly. We live, unfortunately, in the noisiest era of human history, by far the noisiest, most especially because of all the technology we have, all these technological gizmos that we have at our disposal, which were sold to us with the idea that they would make our lives simpler and easier. And to some extent, I suppose they have, but they've also caused us to be bombarded by noise. Lots of noise, almost incessant noise, all day long. We even have what I would call silent noise to contend with. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's true. Silent noise includes things like text messaging, which I hope no one does at Mass, emailing, tweeting, and such. You know, all those things that we do when we're not talking on the phone, listening to our iPods or radios, playing a video game, or watching TV or a movie. Is it any wonder that so many people in our society right now cannot deal with silence? It freaks them out. They can't cope. They don't know what to do when there's no noise around them. Is it any wonder that so many of our young people cannot focus their attention on one thing for longer than two minutes? Psychologists say it's ADD or ADHD. You know what I think it is? OD. Overdosing. These young people are overdosing on all of the noise in their lives. Now I mentioned this this morning because this noise saturation that we all have to deal with in the modern world directly affects our relationship with Almighty God, whether we're conscious of it or not. That's because our most profound encounters with the Lord usually happen in the quiet silence of our hearts. That's where it happens most of the time. Based on this morning's first reading, you might choose to call this the Elijah rule of the spiritual life. There, as we heard a few moments ago, Elijah the prophet meets God. He encounters the Lord himself on Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. But notice where the encounter happens, or how the encounter happens. It doesn't happen in the noise. And there's a lot of noise around him. First, the howling wind, the crashing rocks, the earthquake, the havoc caused by the fire. God is not in any of those realities. The Bible makes it very clear. Elijah meets the Lord in this tiny, whispering sound. In other words, in an experience of almost total silence. 
Today's gospel, in its own way, makes the very same point. Yes, the apostles meet Jesus on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a really noisy storm. But their deepest encounter with Jesus here happens afterward in their own hearts, in the silence of their hearts, as they allow this experience they just had to sink in and strengthen their faith, as they begin to process what they just saw. Jesus walking on water, Peter walking out to him, sinking the whole bit. Wow, that was a powerful experience they had. The text says, after they got into the boat, the wind died down. In other words, it got very quiet. Those who were in the boat did him homage. After they thought about it for a few minutes, after they reflected on it in their hearts, they did Jesus homage, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So I ask you this morning, how often do you go to the Lord in this way, in silence? Do you ever go to God in silence? Do you make the effort, for example, to be here early for Mass every week so that you can spend at least a few moments in quiet prayer preparing to meet your Lord in word and in sacrament? And how about Eucharistic adoration? Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament provides us Catholics with the perfect opportunity to encounter our Lord in silence. And that's true even if the Eucharist is in the tabernacle and not exposed here in the monstrance on the altar. Now, if you're like me, you do way too much talking during adoration. You've probably figured it out. I like to talk. <laughs> Especially on Sunday mornings. But I tend to do it even during adoration, and I know that affects the quality of my experience during adoration. Same is true for everyone who does too much talking during that kind of prayer. But in spite of that, the atmosphere is right for us during adoration to have a profound encounter with the Lord. And if you don't believe me, I'll tell you who to ask in this congregation, because there are a number of them here. Ask our teenagers who went to Steubenville East this year. Ask our teens who've gone any year in the past. That is a big conference. It's a noisy conference. Most of it is like a Christian rock concert. The music blares. It's awesome music. I love the music. I love the noise. I'll be honest with you. See, part of me never grew up. I'm still a teen at heart in many ways. But ask those teenagers, in spite of the great music and all the noise, the most profound encounters those young people have with God occur during adoration in the quiet. And some of them here can tell you the encounters with the Lord they had during adoration this past Saturday at Steubenville. I sat down the other day and made a little list of some of the great benefits that we can experience by spending some time each week in quiet prayer with the Lord in the Holy Eucharist. So here they are. Number one. Adoration provides us with an opportunity to hear God speak to us. Isn't that a great thing? We can hear God speak to us in adoration through a word of scripture that we might happen to read or even in the silence of our hearts. Remember teenagers who went to Steubenville, the word, literally the word, right, that God spoke to you, each of you, on Saturday night during adoration, during that beautiful experience. 
Number two, adoration provides us with an opportunity to take our important decisions to the Lord. We all have important decisions to make in our lives, do we not? Adoration is a great time to take these to God, to receive guidance and insight from Him on those decisions. Number three, adoration opens us up to special blessings from the Lord. Number four, adoration gives us an opportunity to evaluate our lives soberly and accurately in the light of God's revealed truth. In other words, it gives us an opportunity to examine our consciences well, which we all need to do on a regular basis. Number five, adoration gives us an opportunity to get away. Want to get away, as the commercial says? And believe me, adoration is a lot cheaper than a ticket on Southwest Airlines. Number six, adoration gives us the chance to reprioritize things in our lives. We all need to take stock of our lives every once in a while and reset our priorities. Adoration is a great time to do that. It's a chance to be, provides us with a chance to be revitalized in our faith. And finally, adoration gives us the opportunity to, in the words of the letter to the Hebrews, cast all our cares on the Lord who cares for us. That, of course, is not an exhaustive list of possible benefits. Some of you could add others, I'm sure, based on your own experience of praying to Jesus in this way. Let me close my homily this morning by giving the last word on this subject to some holy men and women of church history. Here's what they said about adoration. First, Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she wrote, the time you spend with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is the best time you will spend on earth. Each moment that you spend with Jesus will deepen your union with him and make your soul everlastingly more glorious and beautiful in heaven and will help bring about everlasting peace on earth. St. Peter of Alcantara, not St. Peter the Apostle, another St. Peter said, our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament has his hands full of graces, and he is ready to bestow them on anyone who asks for them. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who incidentally made a Eucharistic holy hour every single day of his priestly life, which I think was about 59 years, he said, Neither theological knowledge nor social action alone is enough to keep us in love with Jesus Christ, unless both are preceded by a personal encounter with him. Theological insights are gained not only from between two covers of a book, but from two bent knees before an altar. The holy hour becomes like an oxygen tank to revive the breath of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the foul and fetid atmosphere of the world. And again, Mother Teresa, when the sisters are exhausted, up to their eyes in work, when all seems to go awry, they spend an hour in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. This practice has never failed to bear fruit. They experience peace and strength. And finally, my own insight, which is far less profound than these others, but equally true, I believe, Eucharistic adoration can be for us a remedy, God's remedy, 
God's great spiritual remedy given to us so that we don't overdose on all the noise in our lives.